Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Noel, how's it going this week? It's going okay. How are you? Well, I'm tired because I'm not quite awake yet. Uh, but mostly, uh, we need to talk about Cabo Bebop. And yes. that is not how I anticipated starting like any podcast. Like, unless it was really good, you know, when it, when it comes out. The, we're talking, yeah. of course, about the Cabo Bebop live action uh, adaptation or remake that Netflix is doing, uh-huh. which just like dropped a bunch of casting news yesterday. And most of it is like, they're all very talented people, but it's not something I care about. The mm-hmm. thing I think we all care about is that John Cho is going to be the lead. And now I have to watch it. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty much a law that you watch anything John Cho's in now. Pretty and much. It's, it's, I'm really happy about this casting. Like, it goes a little bit of a ways of making me feel better about the project. I'm still sort of antsy about it for on just like a writing and production design sort of level. But on an acting level, I feel much more confident (laughs) about how these characters are going to get portrayed. John Cho's playing Spike, which is really delightful. Um, (laughs) Mustafa, um, uh, Shakir is playing Jet. He most recently was in Luke Cage as Bushmaster. And then we've got Danielle Pinata playing Faye. And you and I both know her from The Detour, where she plays uh, the sister. Yeah. And then they've got Alex Hassel, who Hollywood Reporter doesn't even provide any credits for. <laughs> um, but he, you, you and I both most recently saw him in The Miniaturist, where he played Johannes Brandt. Uh, the head of the household in that, and until the they're very end, they're all really spoiler. good. Everyone, they're so yeah, good. no, they're all. It's a really talented group of people, I think, and I'm very eager to see what they do. Even though, like I said on Twitter, the really most important thing is who they cast for Ayn, and I think the consensus is Cheddar from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Clearly, that would yeah. be the right casting. <gasps> we will see if they if they follow through on that. But based on their early, you know announcements i feel like pretty positive that they're headed in a solid direction at least um yeah like i feel like john cho is too old for spike but i don't care because he's john cho and so they'll reimagine the character a little bit but uh yeah i mean i still mourn selfie so (laughs) i want more john cho on my tv i still mourn exorcist so (laughs) oh well yes of course that too but yeah I how like when when either of these shows were announced, would you have imagined we'd be like years later going like, oh, I'm still Miss Selfie and The Exorcist, <laughs> but John Cho, you know? I didn't really like Selfie that much, and I feel like I need to go back and watch it because um, I watched like a couple episodes. Yeah, I think by the end it really it really stepped it up. But I can hear what you're saying about the beginning. I never I didn't stick with it, but like Cho wasn't even going to be on The Exorcist in the third season. <laughs> But that show got really good in no small part because they had to step up to meet his charisma. Yeah, what he was bringing. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, indeed. Uh, well, that's, I mean, there's other, there's other TV news. Uh, as we record, like, 
two or three shows are having their series finales this week. Um, we're recording earlier than normal. I, you guys can probably hear I'm on location um, for a gig. So the, the audio quality is not, you know, what we would usually have here at the Televerse. But um, because of that, we're recording a little earlier and I haven't seen a bunch of things. I still haven't seen last week's Broad City finale. Uh, oh, I haven't watched. Kate, it's so good. I believe you. It's and so when I good. have a chance to watch it, we can talk about it. <laughs> I haven't watched the season premiere of Cloak and Dagger, which I'm hearing good things about too, but uh, I haven't gotten to it yet. I haven't gotten to most of the things. I've gotten to the yeah. things that I get paid to write about, and that's just about it. <laughs> and there's a, there's a few other ones, but that's really, that's about it. Well, you shouldn't feel bad. Like, I didn't get to a lot of stuff this week either. Like, um, neither of us got to, like, the Twilight Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get to the last OG premiere or the Barry premiere. Um, I didn't get to the good fight. Yeah, we, we will catch up. I will catch yeah. up, listeners. Just just not this week. Um, so, uh, we one of the shows I most anticipated, you know, most anticipating is, of course, the series finale of Chris's Girlfriend. I hear from reliable sources that it's it's a good finale and i'm looking forward to talking about that next week hopefully we'll have a, a guest on so uh, uh cross your fingers everyone that the timing works out but we should have a one of our friends of the show on to talk about that with us um but this week we're gonna be talking about hannah which is on amazon prime this is at the tv show adaptation of the the movie that came out a few years, years back about a kid assassin basically um we're talking that in our spotlight section but for now let's preemptively mourn crazy ex-girlfriend by listening to a little love's not a game and then we'll come back with our week in tv we'll be right back after this how dare you play with love is nothing sacred to you lady sir i think the word is just ma'am Love is what unites me and you and him and her and him and him and me as well. J.K.L.O.L. <laughs> Let's do this. Love's not a game. Love's not a game. None of us would ever say love's a game. That would be bad. You can't be sure of. But I'm in the mood to wear this cool fedora. Love's not a game. Love's not a game. We would never play with love like it's a game. But if we did, and that would be wrong, we'd put 30 bucks down that Josh is the biggest schlong. Oh, interesting. I'll double that. I'll triple that. That was Love's Not a Game, the I think one of the last the last big group number for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Tears, which is having mm-hmm. its series finale um, this next week, this coming week. This week in TV, we're gonna, I'm going to talk a bit about Veep, which had its season seven premiere, Iowa. Then Noel's going to talk Blackish, Each One, Teach One. We'll both talk Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I Have a Date Tonight, the penultimate episode, as well as Fresh Off the Boat, Nerd Watching. Then Noel's going to catch us up on Terrace House Opening New Doors Part 6. I very much am looking forward to what, what happened in the last chapter of this of that show. Um, I will just have a few thoughts about Drag Race and the Drag Olympics, and then we'll both go right into last week tonight night with john oliver who did a uh, they did a segment on the wwe uh, and of course that's the appropriate show to lead into the return <laughs> of legends of tomorrow lucha de puestas um which i i'm sure i 
butchered that pronunciation, but we're uh, going to do, <laughs> I'll do my best with it when we get to that episode. Uh, so first up is Veep, which came back for season seven, and um, it was a while ago, a couple years ago, but listeners may remember I wasn't as hot on the end of season six, or really on season six in general of Veep. Uh-huh. Um, there was some stuff that, that really, really worked, but by the end of the season, I was just like, how are they going to have these characters run for president again like selena was just in a giant scandal about like fomenting uh like a war or, or trying to like negotiating these peace talks like it was a really big scandal some of the different things that she was doing with people's data and hacking it and like and then and then the last two years happened Noel, and i was like oh yeah that makes sense no one cares there is no such thing as a scandal that you can't just pivot away from. Um, So that really helped with my buy-in for this episode and having like, it it is, I went back, like I said, recently, I went back and watched some season one of Veep and things that they did as a joke in season one of Veep have happened in our actual political life. So, you know, like it's impossible to parody (laughs) the current political situation. And so they don't, they don't even bother. They don't, they're not trying. They're just sticking with these characters and the world they've established. And they're commenting on the social uh, and and the, the political climate right now in general, but not like trying to set up specific figures to be like a one-on-one the way that maybe they did a little bit more of in the past of the show that was absolutely the right call um this episode like the first time i watched it i was like oh it's it's solid it's a good start and then the second time i watched it i was like oh no it's actually really even better and the third time i watched it, i was like this it's it's just such a funny show it's so good this cast is amazing and it's such a deep bench and they the writers know the characters and the tone so well that they can really be very efficient to to give interesting things to all like a full ensemble cast like eight ten people and um the actors are so good that they're constantly playing with each other like even when they have no dialogue in a scene they're reacting to what's going on there's like you have like if to get the full sense of everything that they're doing and doing so well on Veep, you got to watch it a couple times because the first time you're just following the ratatat really fast dialogue and the plot. And the second time you can start watching more of the reactions. And, and by the second and third time you're picking up like running jokes that go throughout the episode and the backgrounds of scenes that like you wouldn't even catch the first time through. And there's such a clear craft and appreciation for this show from everyone who makes it that they're just operating at a, a level that most comedies never like get close to. So yeah, it's not for everyone. Of course, the tone and the, the, the humor is very dry and they're terrible, terrible people. Like they're, they're like thankful about a mass shooting in this first episode, like, because it, it deflects some of the potential, like a fallout press fallout from from a mistake that's how terrible these people are and for some people even just having a comedy that does stuff like that is destructive and not something that they would ever want to watch and i get it but if that doesn't bother you it's really funny um so yeah i'm back on the veep beat over at the av club and there's only seven episodes this season um but i'm I'm certainly based on this first episode i'm really looking forward to what's going to come hugh laurie's coming back um, oh good ria seahorn is uh, playing his wife and um yeah and it, it also seems like they like they find time for like a paul Shear cameo to like just pop his head in and like say two lines because they've established such a deep bench of guest characters over the course of the seven seasons or six seasons before this that they can just bring people in anybody who wants to like pop up one more time they love working with this team so they will just for a scene or two and so i'm looking forward to just sort of getting a victory lap 
with a lot of these characters and seeing what they bring, uh, what the show brings to the the last six episodes now, seven, but now six. So, you know, I'm sure I'll chime back in when I have more thoughts, but for now, welcome back, Veep. Uh, <laughs> I'm very grateful that I get to to write about the show. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus is just one of the all-time greats of of comedy one of the all-time american greats of comedy and uh i mean i'm sure you could say worldwide but i don't know worldwide i know american comedy at least a somewhat so um she's just really really good and uh i'm looking forward to the the last six episodes yet to come uh what about blackish now for something completely different i'm guessing based on our previous conversations or have they stepped it back up <laughs> the episode this week is each one teach one no, they really haven't. And it was frustrating again um, with a junior working at the agency um, and being Josh's assistant. He sort of becomes like a mentee to Josh and Dre cannot tolerate this at all and gets very upset about it and then decides to mentor junior, his assistant, Curtis, who has recurred throughout the show. And then a herefore to unseen young black woman who Dre hired, but keeps forgetting that she's a girl, um, just based on the name. So we're already off to a rollicking start. So there's a good sort of like impulse here of Dre wants to sort of help them learn how to navigate being black in the business world, which I think is a good sort of thing to explore and sort of tackle. Except for the fact that we totally underdo it by they do sort of a mock pitch to the group, the three mentees, and then Dre takes all the credit for it. Kate's yep. making a... Mm, that sounds about face. right. Right. And then it takes like the rest of the episode for them to convince Dre that he took credit for their ideas as opposed to him just spurring on sort of the concepts which they do they you see it in a workshopping session of him pushing them to figure out a more personal way to pitch things but then he takes credit for all their ideas that they develop and demonstrate so it's just really frustrating and it's another instance of dre being petulant and then learning a lesson but still kind of being a jerk about it type of stuff and i'm just i'm over it at this point um and the subplot involves uh, Bo becoming the hot mom at school um, after the twins share a video of her doing a Beyonce dance and she becomes the hot mom at school. And Bo is thrilled. Jack is not. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's fun e, but it's also one of those things in which you realize how broad that they're doing Bo now to this extent that they're doing a hot mom sort of storyline. So it's like, mm, this show's just not great anymore, and it's disappointing. And this episode, even more so than some of the other ones, I think, just felt like another nail in the coffin for me. Yeah, just, I'm exhausted just listening to that, and I really have no interest in watching that show, the show that yeah. you're describing. And that's frustrating, because it was such a great show for so long, so consistently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, here in season five, oof, and as we talked about, off mic before we started here uh listeners next week's episode of blackish is andre johnson colon good person i already don't want to watch that episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah and yeah yeah it's disappointing but let's let's talk about let's talk about something else let's talk about crazy ex-girlfriends and i have a date tonight yeah how did you feel about our trio of well i shouldn't say trio of dates Mm -hmm. i should say duo of dates plus 
a not date. A not date of because they're already in a relationship sort of status. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because that's what that was. Anyway, tell me how you felt about I Have a Date Tonight. I would love to talk, tell you about this one because I really enjoyed it. I thought, I mean, I, I've already had said I wasn't super excited about how dude centric the end of the show has turned out to be. Um, but I thought that this was absolutely lovely. Um, I think uh, a friend of the show, Alison Shoemaker, her review over the AV club is, I think is spot on the whole episode, I think works really, really well. There's the main, you know, plot line is all of the, um, the, the three dates, but really almost equal, not even a subplot is everybody else's reactions to it. And I think that that works really, really well because it, it feeds into rather than the distracting from, what's going on and it each person i think they do a good job of matching um their reactions to all this to each of the the personalities of the the supporting characters and having like not distracting from that having having each of the characters be invested and be invested in a different way, even just from the, the, it was a Valencia or somebody, or maybe it was Heather said like, no, I've listened to so much complaining about this that I get to care about how it turns out. <laughs> um, and you know, the return of the gag of by the end of the season of holidays with Dr. Copian, I thought was great. They, they really balance their, like the development of each of the, of the cast of the, the characters um, with a straight up season one and two storyline you know like straight off of the bachelor but there's again i think they really hit the the tone like they threaded the needle on awareness of the bacheloriness of it but not uh but but not too winky and like they, they found just a, a happy middle i thought each of the dates uh were lovely and really indicative of the different kinds of people that that these three guys are and um and I I look forward to the finale. I don't know if we'll be surprised or not. Um, but from this episode, the if she picks a guy, it's gonna be Greg because they got the OTP edit in this episode. Um, but I think it, you know, I don't necessarily agree with, especially Josh being in love with her. I think that feels very inorganic. But if they're gonna do it, they did it really well. So that's sort of where I'm at with this. And I think they also. The the biggest thing for me, um, outside of that musical number, which we have to talk about, um, is the way that they showed the how this was affecting Rebecca and the pressure she was feeling and the strain and how this is not sustainable or even a good thing. Um, so I'm excited to see what the finale does. Yeah. yeah. So that that was a long winded answer. What what did you think? Well, let's go ahead and talk about that musical number because Weird Al's really great with that accordion. That's not the <laughs> one you wanted to talk about, was it? No, no. it wasn't. <laughs> I, I did enjoy that because if you have Weird Al, you have him do a song about pooping in a balloon. I mean, like, yeah. that's what you do. Yeah, you, you, you do a quick reprise of Where's the Bathroom to the tune of There's No Bathroom. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, no, so I also really enjoyed this, and it's really because of the fact that between Love's Not a Game and the whole betting process at home base of giving this show's ensemble this big stretch of the episode, they get one final basically like cast number, more or less, and then they get this entire plot where they're all interacting with one another 
for the entire episode. And it's so good and it's so delightful and it's such a credit to the environment and the care that the show is built around each of these people that they can realistically, within the confines of this show, justify all the silliness at home base, but also the fact that everyone ended up, like, at least Josh and Nathaniel ended up knowing about it by the end, which is Mm -hmm. very good as well. So I just really like that because it bolstered and provided the necessary sort of commentary, like you were saying, and winking self-awareness of the Bachelor Nation sort of approach that they were taking with the three dates. So it plays on that while still giving us everything that we want from these characters for one last go around. And that was just really fulfilling for me and made the episode stronger than it was. Otherwise, I think would have been if they hadn't done something like this. Um, I've just, I felt really bad for Dr. Copian though, because all she needed to do, Kate, was go to the smoothie or donut place that they, from like two seasons ago that they don't mm-hmm. go to anymore. That's all she had to do. Why did she go to the wine bar that they all go to? Just go to the donut place from two seasons ago. <laughs> she would have been fine. Um, so the dates, like you said, were good. They really represented each of their, in particular, their particular sort of impulses. Josh's super romantic, very simple sort of approach to nostalgia. Um, Nathaniel making a grand gesture, but kind of messing it up Mm -hmm. um, by getting the date wrong, but it working out in the end, because that's a very Nathaniel thing to do is mess it up, but it works out in the end. And then just the fact of Greg and Rebecca giving up on their date and then just sliding right into, as you said, an OTV sort of edit of... Well, let's just have food delivered. But I never know what I want until you get what you want. I mean, I just looked at my person because we were watching and I just went, it's not a date, it's a relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, no, it was really good. And like you, I was like feeling really timid about doing the three dates and how sort of like dude centric it was. But it all really worked well to illustrate all of them. Plus, I mean, they blew their budget by going over to Los Angeles yeah. <laughs> into, into the hills by the Griffin, Griffin Observatory. <laughs> so they had to go do that. Um, but it's really good. And I was, I, it has me very nicely geared up for the finale. But yeah, tell me about Love's Not a Game because this, I really enjoyed this number. I enjoyed how it sort of pivoted into from White Josh being like, no, we shouldn't be doing this to LLJK. Let me lay down some money. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I think there's, uh, for listeners to see where I'm coming from with this one, uh, important little info about Kate. I played Guys and Dolls, The Pit, uh, at least twice, maybe three times in about six Mm -hmm. months when I was in high school. Oh, boy. Yeah. So, like, I know, and and I had a wonderful time each time. because it must have just been twice. I don't know why, like, who, it, who could, the third one could have been. Because I thought it was three times in six months, but it might, it must have just been twice. But, um, because I did it for, with a community theater group, and then the high school was doing it, and the, the guy running the pit found out that I, because I wasn't doing the pit because I didn't have enough time. Um, he found out that I had done the show that summer, and he was like, okay, you're playing the pit now. We need more violence. <laughs> so they, they're like, tech week is next week. Come play the show. <laughs> and because I had had to, you know, really practice it to learn it, you know, re- that previous time, I still basically had like Havana memorized and these different things. Cause like, it's a really hard book for those who don't know. I'm, it's not West Side Story hard, but it's like, it is a challenging pit 
Like there's a lot of real good music there for the orchestra in Guys and Dolls. Um, and uh, it, yeah, and it was just, it was so much fun. Uh, I really had a blast with it. So, so Guys and Dolls has a strong place in my heart um, to start out with. Uh, but but for me, like I just I loved this number. It's pro- it's my favorite number of the season. I would say maybe the darkness is better, like on a thematic level. But as far as just like fun and remembering a song and a song that'll stick with you, this one's gonna stick with me. I love that uh, the only White Josh number we get is a really good one. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> uh, not all the side characters have actually gotten good songs um, that to to really sink their teeth into. But he just crushes this i think his his um his dance chops and physicality throughout are terrific his voice is gorgeous and i it's like it's one of those like thank goodness you found a spotlight for him before the end before it was too late and that really Mm -hmm. feels what like what the dance number is um like valencia's just like doing these pirouettes just turning and turning and like i can do this all day guys you don't even you have no idea and and uh, paula with the tap break oh the tap break was so good they're like yeah yeah you think those those boys can tap wait till you see paula you know uh so so i i you know it really had a feel of we have a ridiculously overqualified supporting cast. We are going to give as many of them an opportunity to to do something in this last group number. I mean, and, and right because the whole ensemble is is terrific together. They're, yes. They they get little spotlight moments, but they're also just exactly what you need from uh, like a Broadway ensemble. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we usually see in these kinds of shows and these kinds of TV musicals. And it's certainly. Like when you see an ensemble, like when I've seen, I shouldn't say you, because I haven't seen enough big shows in person, you know, as opposed to recordings to, to really speak to that. So when I have seen ensemble dance breaks, they people never look like this either because <laughs> they all yeah. are the same height and roughly the same build because they that's you know what they're going for for the dance ensemble. So it's just really fun to see this whole crowd of people just get into formation basically for this group number it was an absolute blast and of course the little mini reprise we get with with uh, rebecca later is is terrific um but it, it so captures the the energy and the perspective of the show and like, it really feels like an excellent way to encapsulate what the show has been um outside of rebecca's personal journey so yeah yeah it was, it was, I loved it. It was so good. Yeah. I don't have anything to add to that. It's so, I think, I do think that your point about the variety versus, um, of the cast in a dance ensemble here, as opposed to like on a show, which like you said, is generally sort of samey. Um, mm-hmm. it just elevates it and gives it a whole like degree of lived inness in a way that you don't get with a show and a stage show for to large extent, depending on the show. And I think it just, it's really delightful to see that play out here. And so that was really nice. Yeah, it was really nice. And now I'm a little sad about the finale. <laughs> I'm very excited about the show, the live show that they recorded. Yeah, yeah this, no, I I was, yeah. I was excited about the clips of it and just like, oh, good, they did. I'm being, I'm getting by. Yes, good. <laughs> yeah. I see those, I see those white blazers. There's mm-hmm. only one song for that. <laughs> Now, uh, do you have a pick? Do you have a way you think they're going to go in the finale? Or are they? Are you not worried about that? 
I'm I'm trying not to anticipate it. I've tried to stop anticipating shows as much as I can. Yeah. Um, in that regard. Um, and I think I've become a better TV viewer as a result of it. Yeah. But um, I, 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 yeah. So I think I don't want her to end up with anyone. But if she does end up with anyone, it needs to be Greg. Yeah. Well, it's like I would love to see I like her choose no one, except yeah. that I don't think they've earned that. Yeah. No. Not this season. The way that they've been yeah. structuring this season. So, yeah. Because we were all like, Team Paula. <laughs> she chooses yeah. her best friend instead. But they already did that ending. Um, yep. And so, you know. She should just go back to Audra. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> um, well, we'll have more thoughts on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend next week. But for now, let's go over to Fresh Out the Boat and Nerd Watching. Uh, I thought this one was solid. I, I I really enjoyed the musical, like the music video numbers we get yes uh i thought those were were fun um the the storyline the main the main plot with um evan and eddie uh was it took a, a little long to get where they were going for me yes um but you know i'll go with it if it means i get these different uh, music video montages i particularly enjoyed jenny's uh uh left eye in the waterfall sequence uh what did you think of nerd watching I liked them um, mainly because I always I always appreciate it when they allow Emery to kind of loosen up a little bit. So him deciding, oh, you need to see two more birds, huh? And then just <laughs> flipping off um, Eddie and it's just like, oh, that's so good. It's so good and pure. But no, the, the reason to watch this episode are the music video recre- recreations. So they did um, Waterfall, as you mentioned, and Waterfalls. And I appreciated Eddie going, no, that song's about HIV, man. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we had uh, um, Skilo's I Wish right at the top. And then they wrapped it up with uh, Beastie Boys, What You Want, which you were correct. It was Beastie Boys. And um, it was so good. And yes, Jenny as left eye was great because my partner just went, of course, Jenny is left eye. <laughs> and then the entire reason Jenny is left eye so that they can do the, her doing the lip sync of the really fast rap part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, So no, it's really fun. But it's also one of those things where you go, oh, they spent so much of their budget on this for the season, on this. <laughs> um, which ties it a little bit into, like, Speechless also blew their budget a little bit by doing a CGI bear <laughs> <laughs> in this week's episode. So it was just a two, two-part, two like, big sort of, all right, we're just, we don't think we're going to get another season, even though the merger went through, but we're just going to pull out all the stops now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I am curious to see what's going to happen with Speechless, uh, particularly if it gets renewed, because they definitely went into like, this is definitely our final season. We barely got renewed. So let's really go for it. (laughs) Now they're sending. Yeah, they're sending um, JJ to college. Yeah, they're sending JJ off to New York specifically. And um, yeah, we'll see. I would love it if they did get renewed. Don't get me wrong. But like, yeah, I'm not anticipating it. We'll see. Yeah. yeah um how about terrace house opening new doors this is the last chunk of terrace house opening new doors right yeah no this was part six so episodes 41 through 49 kate so much drama just all of the drama so soto who had invited um risico to the picking glasses date because there's a slot open um Mm -hmm. uh leaves a couple episodes into it 
um, which is fine because it allows for the arrival of Masao Wada, who is a bassist for a number of bands in Japan, including apparently a fairly popular band by the name of Gesu no Kawami Otomo. Um, and people were like shocked it was him. Like, um, he goes by a different name under that. And, um, so people are like, what? No. So it's someone reasonably famous in no small part because this band also went through a small scandal in 2016 because their lead vocalist, um, may or may not have been involved in some sort of adulterous affair with a television personality after he married a non-celebrity. Um, so there was like a degree of scandal around the band that they've generally, I think, kind of come out of. But Wada's presence on the show is just really delightful because he's this 31-year-old man who's just this big teddy bear who's hasn't been in a relationship for like six years and is just trying to find someone that he wants to spend spend have a romantic life with. And he thinks he finds someone here at Terrace House. And then in the final episode, she says that she does not have feelings for him. And it's very sad because it's on Christmas, Kate. It's on Christmas. No! And so the, he, she's telling him like this. He confessed his feelings like in the previous episode. And like, just as like, as is often the case with opening doors, it's like, I have feelings for you. Feel free not to give me an answer just yet. Please think about it. And so he wants an answer by Christmas. And when the woman provides an answer, the departure whistle for the train or the ferry boat sounds almost immediately after. Oh, wow. Well, but and is that like, so that's editing, good. right? Or, no, it's oh, not. Because wow. they both turn to look at it when it goes off. <laughs> that is amazing. Yes, you cannot. It's so good and pure. Um, and you need it because for a long stretch of this part, all the women are basically at, at odds with one another because there's discussions about people having too many off camera planning and secrets. Super, super high, super reality show sort of stuff of like two people got together to sort of basically stage a rejection sort of thing. Um, whereas another two people maybe escalated their relationship, but did it off camera and are playing it very chaste on camera. And that has happened before. It happened in Boys and Girls in the City, uh, where some, a couple were playing it super chaste because she needed to maintain her pop idol persona and they didn't Mm -hmm. want to mess that up. So they were getting together when the cameras were away from the house and no one knew about it for like a couple of weeks. Um, but just stop doing things off camera, everyone. That solves all your problems. But this is like a high amount of drama that's circulating for a solid, like most of this part of the, um, of this final part. And it's like they saved all the drama for the end because this has been a relatively like low drama season apart from more like socio, um, socio-cultural sort of things like with the kiss from nowhere that i told you about um in the fall uh this has just generally been sort of a low drama season so they saved it all for the end basically and that was kind of refreshing that it was all in the end but it also made this part kind of nerve-wracking but layered by the fact that wada is just so good and pure and lovely and here's how lovely he is kate this this kind of sums up both how lovely he is but also like this show in its entirety of 
his first night in the house, both of the other guys go to other part rooms in the house to sleep because his snoring is so loud and distracting. They tell him about it the next morning. He's like, oh no, I am so sorry. So he comes back with literally every anti-snoring product that they sell in Japan <laughs> to find out which one's going to work best because that's how much he cares about creating a good environment but also that just says so much about how nice this show is because mm. anyone else would have just gone they can deal with it if this was an american reality show they would have been like you can deal with it no this guy's like i'm gonna find every breathe right strip and face mask or guard or whatever and we're gonna figure this out so my two friend new friends can sleep well it's mm. just like i love this show um, so it was a really good part. The entire season, I think, is really good, generally. Um, I don't think it's quite as good as uh, Boys and Girls in the City, uh, which is the first Netflix incarnation of this. But it's really delightful. It's really good. They've confirmed that there will be a another season coming that will run from later this year into 2020, at least. Um, and that one will take place in Tokyo because they were probably like, we're really tired of sending film crews back and forth from this semi-isolated location to Tokyo. So, uh, we're going to, we're going to go back to Tokyo, y'all. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they're doing. So the next season is going to be in Tokyo. It's going to start sometime in 2019 based on the chalkboard. And I'm very excited. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really liked the location where they were and like mm. just visually, I think Gorgeous. it was really- yeah, it was lovely, yeah. but I can production wise, I get it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I'll I'll jump in, but I really enjoyed what I did watch of Terrace House, and I have loved following what's been <laughs> happening through your like like just sort of touching in with it, and um, that is I'm I'm glad that the season was satisfying and ended on such a strong note. That's really entertaining, like strong but sad. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Another really entertaining episode is Drag Race, uh, Repulse Drag Race, I should say, the Drag Olympics. So this is their, uh, it's a group dance challenge, basically. And the main thing with this is they're now down to 10 queens, so it's two teams of five. And it is it's just really refreshing it's kind of like just like a like a t- they just sort of stop and take a breath and just have fun mm-hmm. for a week and because there's 10 people right now they it's too many people to do one-on-one challenges really or yes. to do like two-person challenges so they have two groups of five and because it's a dance challenge there aren't they don't need to like assign roles yeah. or anything they're just, they're just all gonna have to learn choreography and dance there's not a lot of drama there so in there's not a, they don't have to fit in like last week they were fitting in three runways so 33 looks so that just you had to keep moving 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 so that you could get through everything um and it was really fun and i really enjoyed that episode um but it was good to have a change of pace then for this one and so they gives them time to really linger in certain things they linger with um, Evie a lot and with Vanjie a lot with some of their uh, like what they have going on this episode which I won't say anything about because you haven't seen it yet um, but they they also their mini challenge is with Love Connie and it's like a jazzer set like a Jane Fonda galisthenics is what it's called um but it's it's like getting into their jane fonda 80s workout gear and yeah like i saw i saw that in like the promo tease for it and i just went oh 80s aerobics it's so good it's really funny it's really good and then the the like they have travis wall on of course so from so you think you can dance 
obviously I'm a big fan of his, you know, I really enjoy his work and I, he was in season four as well. Did you watch the black Swan or season five? Sorry. Did you watch the black Swan Rube, like RuPaul ballet that they did with Alyssa Edwards? I think so, but I don't know for sure. Yeah, so he choreographed that one. He's back okay. again here. Um, and it's just really, it's delightful. It works really well. And uh, the 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 queens just, they they just slay. They do so well. It's really, really fun. And there's there's some heavy stuff that they're dealing with behind the scenes with, or like in, in the workroom and stuff with some of the characters. But it's just energetic and effusive. And everybody does a good job for the most part. Um, and it's just it I just really enjoyed this episode. So I hope that they do this again in future seasons. This is like a retread but smarter of the cheer challenge from season nine. Right, um, right, right, right. And and this is a smarter way to do it. And I just I want Travis Wall to be back as a choreographer. I want them to do these kind of dance challenges and uh yeah, it was just super fun. So I look forward to your thoughts next week. Um yeah. And that's all I'll say. Okay, so let's talk about last week tonight with John Oliver. They did an episode uh, centered on the WWE, and I really enjoyed this segment. It's, it's probably the most entertaining segment they've done this season. I saw a few people online, like on Twitter and stuff, commenting like, why would you, like, there's so many things, why is this a thing you talk about? And I feel like it's so smart and so on point for our current like political conversations we're having, especially everything around unions and about um, billionaires and CEOs exploiting their workforce. So I thought that it was right on brand and also really funny and really entertaining and really well-researched. And I, I hope it comes to fruition. I hope that there is a, like a a pro union chant that happens at WrestleMania. We'll see what happens, but I would, I would love if this like, did something yeah um if you were wondering why they did wwe you obviously weren't paying attention to the segment is kind of how i feel about that yeah (laughs) uh because none of this was particularly new to me in no small part because friend of the show Corey barker who actually came on to talk about wwe with us um like last year yeah or the year before um had told me all about the very terrible (laughs) employment and labor practices that the wwe employs um from registering them as independent contractors to the various like uh crowdfunding uh avenues that retired wrestlers have to go through to pay for medical bills because there's no such thing as a pension <laughs> or a retirement fund for these folks because they're independent contractors and so all of that I thought was really well done and the reasons why it's important like you said are like giving you giving your employees especially when they're full-time employees and not contract workers let's be very clear here mm-hmm. and all of that sort of stuff is important when we're talking about labor and employment today and this is just a really as 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 the WWE is demonstrated across its entire existence it can become a microcosm of society in no small part because it's able to react to things very quickly. And whether that's for good or for ill, as a business, this has been something that has been building over a number of years. So to highlight it in this way, is I think is really effective. And it's also, like you said, deeply funny because they made sure to do a supercut of watching Vince McMahon get hurt. 
And there's nothing really better than watching Vince McMahon get hurt um, because he's awful. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm <clears throat> I'm hoping that something happens at WrestleMania and that there's some good chance happening. Um, and, yeah, um, I'll be interested in hearing about it on Monday from Corey, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and timing this to be the week before WrestleMania was smart, and yeah. it was, yeah, it was, I also appreciated the clear glee and infectious joy that Oliver has towards wrestling, mm-hmm. and that was, I think, was essential to making yes. the segment work, and because um, I think there, there are way too many people who just don't understand wrestling and don't understand entertainment (laughs) storytelling who look down on wrestling who are like oh it's fake or all these different different things literally everything you watch on tv is fake not literally but just about everything all actors these actors just you know also do incredibly choreographed fight scenes at the same time live come on what's wrong with you (laughs) so yeah it's just um I think that was a really important part of it too, to make sure that the audience knows that, that Oliver is not talking down to them is not critiquing their sport or their, their entertainment, their favorite show. Um, And like, and and it doesn't need to, it's not a zero sum game. It can be both. You know, if people want to choose to go into this field, knowing the dangers, knowing the risks, that's fine. Then, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be, protected by basic workers comp you know uh-huh. um so so yeah it was it was a really really fun segment and uh it also feeds very nicely into the delightful return of legends of tomorrow lucha de apuestas um which is their like 1960s mexican luchador episode yes. and it was really really good i love this episode so much what did you think i thought it was fine i'm curious to see what you really <sighs> responded to in this um I think I just got bogged down in some some of the Ava and um, Sarah stuff of, why are we doing this again? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are we doing this whole, I, I can't trust you. Why, why aren't you here? And it's just like, but, 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 but type of thing of like, this is, this is frustrating. And I'm kind of tired that we're dipping back into that well again. Um but I, and so I think I just got bogged down in that aspect of it, um, as opposed to enjoying <clears throat> the degree of silliness that comes in of like turning Gary's brain into mush with the memory flasher mm-hmm. and just how abused Gary is and how just good at playing it. Adam, um, uh, Shankman, Shankman, I think is at depicting that. So I think, I think that there's plenty of enjoyment here, but I'm also just like, how how who how did how did the Kobe get into this exactly and how did he get that outfit and i had just so many like plot logistics questions about how this was working out that i wasn't quite sure how all of it was supposed to work and i know i was getting caught up in details as opposed to the spirit and the mood of the episode which is generally really good and they capture that i think generally fairly well by limiting their location to the ring that they're in because goodness knows they're not going to recreate Mexico city in 1961 in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But 
So I think that there's good stuff in here. I just, I got bogged down in details, Kate. I got bogged down in too many details. Um, but I'm excited about Nate's, Nate and Zari's sort of like attempt at a sting operation and Nate mm. setting himself up as a double agent against um, his dad. Uh, so I'm interested in seeing how that plays out. But yeah, it, it was fine. So tell me what you really enjoyed about it. Um, because generally I acknowledge that it was fun. It just didn't click for me somehow. Okay, well, I'm sorry that you don't like fun things and just have no joy in okay, your heart. We both know <laughs> that that is not true. <laughs> okay, so we, yes, I know I'm not being fair. Um, so what I enjoyed about this episode was pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, so I hear where you're coming from, especially with the Sarah and Ava stuff. But for me, actually, it it would be irritating if Ava wasn't upset at Sarah countermanding her instructions because she's supposed to be your boss and so yes obviously we've seen her side with the legends before and sarah's always right the legends are always right for the most part um so i get that but i it would have felt like it wasn't true to her character and to her sure. history if there wasn't some pushback and if she didn't if she wasn't frustrated it's like that thing where you're in a fight with someone and you know that you're wrong but and the other person is right, but it, that's not really the point. The point is they didn't have your back, you know. You're like, yes, I expect you to defend me about the thing that I'm clearly not that I'm clearly wrong about. Definitely, Roma won Best Picture, guys. I watched it; that happened. You know, like, like, yes, I expect you to have my back on that, even though we both know that I was wrong and I misremembered it, but I couldn't get out of the situation gracefully, and so you were supposed to storm off with me, and you didn't, and that's why I'm mad. <laughs> like, obviously, this is a much higher stakes situation of that, but um, that felt more lived in and real for their relationship than it would have been to see her, Ava, uh, to have Ava just go with Sarah against everything that she has built her career on even if she knows inside that Sarah's probably right. So, yeah. so yeah, I mean, I get it. Yes, we've been here before. It, that, it is a bit of a retread. But we also got Sexy Tango, and so I don't really care. Sexy Tango was very good. It was very good. It was very fun. And uh, even though Sarah's eyebrows was distractingly, I don't know what happened there, but like the, the rest of the makeup was pretty good, but then her eyebrows were way too... It was a whole thing. It's very distracting when I was watching it. Um. What else? I, I mean, we got we got Ray being the ring announcer. Let's get ready to run. Like, it was awesome. It was so fun. I liked the Zari and Nate stuff. Um, like you said, I, I like uh, where they're... I like that they have really developed the Nate and his dad relationship over the course of the season in a way that feels lived in and real. Yes. Where he is absolutely villain and wrong and bad, but he also is other things. He also has been a good father at times. He also has been a, you know, terrible father at times. And, and he's multiple things in a way that still feels totally appropriate in, for the show, which is the right amount of broad and the right amount of specific and, and doing both of those things in, in a really satisfying way. Like for me, this episode got the camp and silliness of uh of the of my limited knowledge of uh luchador wrestling absolutely right and married that tone throughout the episode and uh this idea i mean it goes in perfectly with the drag olympics too uh from from drag race so this blending of something can be absolutely ridiculously ridiculous and silly and that doesn't negate the power of the emotional 
heart to it. And yeah. I mean, it's a, this is, it's what Legends does so well. So for me, that was a thread throughout the episode, and I thought they really nailed that. Um, so I'm really, I was, and it was also just such a lovely way to come back. And, you know, I watched this uh, like a week or two ago with the screener. So I hadn't seen all the ads and everything, too. So I didn't know it was going to be a Mexican wrestling episode mm-hmm. going into. So I got that fun of the surprise and the energy throughout as well. I also like what we got with Constantine here. I thought it was a good way to incorporate him without having it be about him. I think yeah. too often they just lean on the mystical things to, so that he can be a more important figure in the episode. Um, and I thought that this, you know, blended the tones of the shows and the different characters well. So yeah, uh, the ending was darker than I would have liked. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's a reason for her to be on the ship now. So yes, it is. Yeah. Let's make another super good. friend, I guess. Poor Kobe. Just, just what that bathroom needs is another yeah, person. Exactly. <laughs> <That> one bathroom. <laughs> oh, man. Good times. I hope they never change that on the ship. Um. Anyways, any final thoughts on Legends? Are you looking forward to this half season? Oh, no. I'm definitely looking forward to it. Um. And I'm very excited about it. I think my only last thought, again, is like another instance of me getting bogged down in the details is they misspelled fundraiser on the banner at the gala. <laughs> okay. They Did put they a... Put- sp- they put a space between fund and razor. That's weird. That's weird. And I just went, that's not correct. Yeah. Who let this happen? Yeah. <laughs> that feels like a uh, somebody messed up the spelling by a letter and um, yeah. an autocorrect, you know, did that and they didn't notice or something, yeah. you know? Yeah. But that, that's disappointing. Though I will say, as someone who is such a pedant for spelling, I have, I, I was pointed out to me by a student that I have had the word exercise spelled wrong on all of my students' lesson notes and mm-hmm. uh, and and practice logs for years because I have the British spelling and not the American spelling. And it's now <laughs> bothering me deep <gasps> to my core because there's nothing I can do about the years where it was spelled wrong and I just don't have the time to fix it right now. So I'm giving them practice logs with the word exercise spelled wrong and I know it and I can't fix it because I don't have the time. <sighs> These are I the can't. challenges of being a grammar pedant. Yes? My hourly rate is super affordable. And <laughs> <laughs> I can't afford my hourly rate, let alone anyone else's. Yeah. And we all know I undervalue my time. So, yeah, uh, yeah no, it's it, it. I'm just very glad that Legends is back and I look forward to this next this next half season. Uh, what wins your week in TV? Well, I want to mention Full Frontal Samantha B. They had Lucas Brothers for their uh, third segment, and they went to go talk about statu- Greek statuary, since uh, Greek statuary has been co-opted by the alt-right and white supremacists recently, um, very explicitly, but it has been for a little while prior to them, um, and talked to museum curators and researchers and scientists about, yeah, no, we don't know why this is like this either, because... These statues were painted when they were originally being displayed and thus it depicted people of many different colors. And also the Greeks, ancient Greeks didn't really have a whole big concept of whiteness, really, based on our research. So they're just doing this because it's marble is the entire point of the thing of like, yeah, no, they're just like they're just behaving like this because 
it's Marvel. And Lucas Brothers are very, very good in the segment. Um, and the entire segment is generally just a lot of fun. So I encourage you to seek it out and watch it. You can probably just watch the segment individually on YouTube uh, where uh, they break up the show. But it was it was very good and I enjoyed it. But I think what wins my week is probably I have a date tonight uh, with Terrace House Opening New Doors, which aired like two weeks ago. Um, a very close second. Uh, what about you? So much good TV. Um, yeah, I think I have to give it to Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I have a date tonight, but strong honorable mention to Veep and even even Drag Race too. Like I really liked pretty much all the TV I watched this week. So it was a it was a good week of TV for me. I didn't get a lot of viewing in, but it was a high hit to miss ratio. Um, and was this week's full frontal? Did they do that um, interview with the kid who got himself vaccinated? Yes. I saw that segment as well, Ed, like uh, just floating around, and I really enjoyed that. So the uh, the Riverdale thing. That one was okay. I sort of enjoyed it. Um, I My favorite bit was her coughing into a, um, whatchamacallit, <laughs> into a handkerchief, <laughs> and not even like trying to hide the fact that the blood's already on the handkerchief before she even coughs, because you can kind of see it. I just went, <sighs> I do love you, show. <laughs> Good time. Good times. Now we will take a break, listen to a trailer for Hannah Season 1, and come back with our season spotlight on Amazon's new uh, adaptation of the film Hannah. We'll be right back after this. Let's talk about your father. Do you know why he kept you in the forest? Did he tell you where he was going? We are all worried about him. You're safe now. She's faking. Richards, get out of there. You train me like a machine. Why? I have to find her before she finds us. Shoot on sight. If anyone asks, that girl does not exist. I'm not safe. People are trying to hide me. I want you to trust me. Can't trust anyone. The world is a vampire. I want to give you a normal life. But I'm not normal, am I? Sent a Secret destroyer. Take her out. Hold you up to the flames. Where did you go? Why? Do you think I'm weird? I think you're wonderful. And what do I get? It's time. For my pain. Where's Hannah? Do you know how dangerous she is? I don't want to lose you. Listen to me. That no idea who you're dealing with. No more secrets. Why do they want me? Smells of fear. Like a fox that knows it's dying. That was the trailer for Amazon's Hannah, which is, of course, an adaptation of the the film from a few years ago about a like a tween 
uh, young teen who is an assassin, and her name is Hannah. Um, I meant to get to all of this, but only managed to time for a couple episodes. Noel has seen all of season one, um, so I will. Let's start with you, Noel, because you know better. <laughs> How was Hannah? It's fine. Like a lot of eyes um, in that fine. Um, th- I think like the big thing about it is is just like wow, this was a this was an okay killing reunion is the best way to feel about it. Um, since this stars um, SMA Creed Miles as Hannah, but it has Muriel Enos as Mercer Wheeler, who takes over in the Kate Blanchett role of the CIA uh, spook. And then Joel Kinnaman, who plays Eric Heller, taking over from the Eric Bana role in the 2011 film. Um, SME Creed Miles takes over um, Saoirse Ronan's role in the original film. And yeah, it's basically like fine. Um, it loses a lot of the um, the kind of dark, not dark, but the sort of like fractured fairy tale sort of aspect that the uh, 2011 film has. And goes instead for uh, Clint um, from Consequence of Sound, described as sort of a warmed over 24. And that's about accurate, um, especially in the middle part of this eight episode season, is that it just feels like a warmed over 24 and not a particularly good warmed over 24. And that makes the show sort of have to rely on Enos and Kenanman and Creed Miles to kind of carry things. And thankfully, they do. But there's nothing particularly essential here. Um, and tonally, aesthetically, um, the best thing about it, which is a good carryover from the film, while there isn't a, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Chemical Brothers soundtrack here, there is really good music supervision here. There's a lot of really solid like sound choices, uh, musical choices, I should say, that go really well with sequences um, here in this particular uh, film and not film in television series. So I think that there's good stuff um, mainly on the music and the acting level, but there's nothing completely essential about this because it retreads the movie super hardcore. And um, it's a little frustrating that there's nothing super interesting about it until like the last two episodes. And then it becomes, Oh, right. Here's what we want to do the whole time type of thing. Now, can I jump to the last two episodes? Reasonably? Yeah, I think you probably can. Okay. Because I I will tell you, the thing I can tell you is that you can jump to those last two episodes. And I can tell you that Marissa basically gets uh, pivoted out of the primary antagonist role and someone else comes in to fill that void while she sort of like figures out who she wants to be sort of. Um, The decision she makes at the end will not surprise you. And um, so, yeah, you could jump to that because they um, finally, it turns out that Utrax has started up the project again, basically, with a whole new group of girls, and it's been much more successful, except for Trainee 249, who is also really the, like, one of, I think, two trainees of color who's similarly different in terms of, like, what the what's going on with all this stuff? Why are mm-hmm. we doing this? And it's like, that doesn't feel pointed at all, show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so 
those last two episodes have the most action in them of which is a weird thing to say about a show that's based on something like hannah where there's long stretches of no one fights there's not a lot of fight choreography and what fight choreography there is is okay um but the last two episodes have a fair amount of action choreography that or is better than what's come before it and it's just weird um that they want to do this really kind of character driven story but really struggle to i think execute that really well or in a way that's compelling or interesting or feels fresh everything just feels really rote and by the numbers and i can't tell how much of that is the problem of wanting to hew relatively closely to the original film which they do for a good chunk of the season versus wanting to do all of that so they can transition to doing an original story should they get a second season which is what they set up themselves for but they also the way that the show ends could this could be the end as well and it would generally be okay but i don't know what a second season of this necessarily looks like and how fresh it feels from a teenage jason Bourne sort of deal Okay, so so I watched two episodes of this, and I watched the first up, ep- and I haven't seen the movie. Okay. Um, so half the words you were just saying, I have no idea what they mean, but I feel yeah. like I can fill in the blanks. Yeah. Um, so the first episode I thought was solid, and, yeah, it is. Uh, and it was a good start. I was like, okay, I'm curious why I've seen such middling reviews of this based on this first episode. Uh, they've got a very talented cast, and uh, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't really watch the killing but marinos is very good and jill kinnaman is very good and the i think the the young actor they cast to be hannah does a good job um the the stuff we get with her and the 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 young polish boy is great it really really works great physicality the good um awkwardness and everything i think that that really works um and then we get the second episode and I'm immediately out. I'm so hard out from the show after the second episode. I like that the, the it's called like friend. I like yes. the family that they introduce who are going on vacation, going on holiday. And you know, there's teen drama um, with the, the eldest daughter um, or the eldest child, but that they all work great. But we take Hannah from having grown up her entire life in a forest with one person she has ever met and ever talked to who is her father. And then she meets another person. And by, because she talked to someone, she like people with guns come and she has to run away. And her reaction to this is, I know let's go make friends and hang out at the mall. Like it's, it's horrible. It's really bad. It's really bad writing. I don't for a second believe that she is, is capable of handling all this contact with people, uh, all the noise and the hustle. Like she should be completely disoriented and she should be completely uh, uncomfortable just being around people. And that doesn't happen. It, it, when there's a convenient moment, she covers her head. Her, she puts her hands over her ears because of the noise, but, but only when there's a convenient moment for it. Um, she's not thrown by interacting with people in a way that she should be. She should be super messed up from only <laughs> like compared to what we expect from a character in a show. Um, from only having interacted with her father her entire life. Like, 
they they make a point to show that her dad's been educating her. Um, apparently, he knows everything about every subject so that she can be fluent in in conversations until the plot needs her not to be. But um, and he's taught her multiple languages and um, history and. It's really important for her to know the Beatles and the Godfather. Yeah, exactly. You know, without having and, ever seen them or heard them. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's, it's a what I saw was a good cast and good production elements with bad lazy writing. I mean, I, I try not to say lazy writing because I'm sure somebody worked really hard on, on like writers probably worked their butts off, but it's very convenient writing. It's very um uh it's not curious writing at all and it's frustrating because you have at least based on these first couple episodes i think the pieces of an interesting show and an interesting story here that they don't care about telling because they care more about having a teen action superstar <laughs> than about any sort of an actual person and um yes obviously in these sort of um action blockbustery kind of movies and in this case tv shows uh we're all often asked to check our uh our our, our brain a little bit at the door into just willing suspension of disbelief and all of that but if you want me to connect with this kind of a character um and her what she's dealing with as a teen you know then you can't ask me to shut off my brain you get to either do one or the other i don't you can't don't get both and so when she's like just going out for a makeover at the mall with her new friend and not like still being thrown by this is what a car is having never seen a car in her entire life um yeah it's too much I, I I can't I just can't give it to him. So that's where I'm at with this one. <laughs> no, and I think that I think to a large degree that's fair. There's a lack of acclimation mm -hmm. um, processing that happens in this, and it's in part because the show is really wrapped up in explaining Utrax, which is the agency organization that created Hannah, and or yeah, created Hannah, I think is the best way of phrasing that. Um, developed, matured. It's weird. Anyway, um, especially when they like veer away from her subject uh, subjectivity a lot, which is uh, for a lot of for a lot of the stretch, but particularly like episodes three and four, are really focused on Eric mm -hmm. um, and his goals of retaking down Utrex, and it's like, buddy. I mean, I know that they care, but let's 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 dial back a little bit and think. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the show is also like more interested in filling out a degree of mythology about what's happened and how what how these girls came to be than is maybe necessary because it doesn't add anything really to the story is the largest problem here is like fleshing out the weirdness of the mythology from the film um doesn't add anything because it's just oh it's a government agency that's doing weird things to women young girls and training them to be super assassins and it's like yes and that 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 is no longer the end point that mm -hmm. you get to do now you have to do something else and there is no nothing else that you can add to that 
Um, at least not in the decision to sort of limit it to the last two episodes to a certain degree. And so while there's like good bits of like sort of teenage drama of like, uh, of, um, whatchamacallit, of Hannah sort of like getting petulant and rebelling against Eric and to be like, why don't you take me on the shoot 'em up mission and this kind of stuff and like getting really kind of uh, frustrated by that or she hooks back up with Sophie after a certain point and then Sophie uh no sorry Hannah makes eyes at and then has him has sex with the boy that Sophie is super into um and like navigating that sort of stuff generally seems super easy and we gloss over the fact that she just is apparently super bad at kissing like two weeks prior to this and is now totally comfortable having sex. Mm-hmm. And it's just to your point about like cars, I'm like, where did that emotional arc just come from that I did not <laughs> grasp or follow at all? What was she watching on the train in the van or like literally who told her about all this? Cause I don't think Eric did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and it's one thing to be told there's a thing called a band and they make music and music, which is something you've never heard outside Uh of nature sounds, uh, sounds like things. And then, and that, and one famous band is the Beatles and one of their most famous songs is like, and actually experiencing it. So even if you want to say, well, her father told her all about all the things that exist in the current world. Like even if you are willing to give them that, which you shouldn't, but even if you do, it's a very different thing to then experience it. How like <laughs> like I almost wanted a little bit of unfrozen caveman lawyer. <laughs> Who are these <laughs> small small demons inside this box? Like if you've never experienced technology, which is not, which is I think what the first episode indicates. Like yeah, how no, it heavily not- implies with her reaction to how loud that um that truck thing is. Yeah, like, how are you not, like, they could have shown her, like, observing the boy from the beginning, you know, and then coming back and, like, like, she had been, like, watching, like, figuring out ways to get to the edge of the forest or whatever and, like, observing some other things and, and acclimatizing and learning from that, right? But they don't. And so you don't get to do both of these things. Like, how does she understand doors? You know, like... She's never experienced a door until she's being held prisoner, but somehow, like, jailbreak is no problem. Welcome to the fun. Yeah. Um, I so, mean, like, yeah. like, it's not a difficult concept, a door, but, but you get what I mean. Anyways. Yeah. Yeah, and so I think that there's just generally, again, this lack of thought, mm-hmm. like you said. And that means that the actors have to do a lot of the lifting and the degrees to which they're successful, not successful, just kind of depends on an episode to episode basis. Um, And that's frustrating. Yeah. And I know I I sound very harsh because I'm being harsh, but I do actually really appreciate the performances that we're getting. I think what, you know, they're good. They're, they're, They're doing a really good job. And the amount that I was actually interested in these characters uh, is impressive <laughs> considering how much my brain rebelled, how much my palate rebelled against uh, the setup for 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 Hannah and uh, the like uh, the, that second episode and and how they the writers have her respond to everything. Um, so yeah, 
yeah, I sound really, it, it's really harsh, my response, but it that's not a reflection on the actors. That's not a reflection on the direction in a big way. That's, I mean, for me, it really just comes down to the writing. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Should I watch the movie? You should watch the movie. Uh, it's from Joe Wright, uh, mm-hmm. the same guy who did, um, gosh, Atonement. um, Atonement. Right. Yeah. 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 And it's, I think it captures, it captures a really good vibe, um, that the show does not, um, like I said, that there's this, um, sort of like fractured fairy tale sort of approach to it that the show just isn't interested in embracing. And I wanted to carve out time to rewatch it, but weirdly, um, despite getting the picking up Hannah as a television series, Amazon didn't pick up the show for Prime Video. I mean, the movie for Prime Video. And I just went, but, but I wanted to, <laughs> but I wanted to kind of watch this, but I don't want to pay like $4 to rent it. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that that's kind of frustrating. Um, so, but I would encourage you to like check it out. Um, I will note that um, one of the writers from the movie um, who did like a polish on it, um, David Farr is largely responsible for ad- adapting this, but he just stripped out all the good, interesting things for some reason <laughs> from the movie that he has a writing credit for. And is like, I don't understand why we made these choices. Mm. Um, even down to the fact that like th- their entire split, um, uh, like in the forest comes from, um, whatchamacallit that Eric just kind of leaves, mm-hmm. um, Hannah, um, to, um, whatchamacallit that there's a confrontation coming. So he sort of like activates the CIA tracking beacon, as I recall correctly, and then just leaves and tells Han- and tells Hannah it's up to her to meet her in Berlin as sort of like a final training mission sort of deal. And that's a little more messed up, but it's also like it plunges her into this world in a different sort of way than it does here. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's more there's more compelling stuff here in the film. Um, then they're to my recollection again it's been a lot i i don't think i've seen this since it came out in theaters and i saw it in theaters um but you do also get the benefit of Kate blanchett mm-hmm. and so why wouldn't you want that <laughs> that's a good thing though again i like marinos and what yeah, i saw of no. her but yeah yeah you know Kate Kate blanchett's Kate blanchett yeah. well uh tim tepid to nothing positive uh for <laughs> praise for us here at the intelverse for hannah let us know if you agree or disagree we'd love to hear your thoughts if you're on board with hannah um and you think i should really finish the season let me know um we did hear by the way from vince um which we should mention at the top of the show but we were asking what amazon properties people were excited about because you know obviously we were excited about hannah enough to watch it but we weren't having trouble thinking of other ones of course vince reminded us that uh they renewed the, the expanse so that is one that I know a lot of people are really excited and looking forward to, including aforementioned Clint Worthington of Consequence of Sound and this and the Spool. Um, but yeah, the this <laughs> it's not speaking well to their development. Um, right. 
Yeah, this Even one. Even though, like, there are a number of things that I keep thinking I want to watch, like, forever with uh, Maya Rudolph and Fred mm. Armisen. Or there's that Natalie Dormer uh, picnic at Hanging Rock, which I meant to watch, but it's like, I never think to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Amazon, really, there's no excuse for how poor their video uh, platform is and their apps and stuff for, like, yeah. streaming Amazon Prime. Oh, it's real rough. Yeah. Anyways, um, okay, well, I, I guess we'll wrap that up there. <laughs> a few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org, where you can leave us a comment and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. You can email us at televerse at gmail.com. You can like our page on Facebook, start up a conversation there, or you can find us in iTunes with an M4A chaptered feed and an MP3 unchaptered feed. We're also up in Stitcher, and you can leave us a rating review either place. We'd love to hear from you. Um, if you do leave us a rating review in Stitcher or in iTunes, let us know, because we don't always find out about that for, you know, let me rephrase. I don't always find out about that for years <laughs> until later when I realize, oh, you can do comments in Libsyn. I didn't know that. Um, anyways, uh, you can also, of course, find both of us on Twitter. I am at the Televerse and Noel, you are? At Noel RK. So I've restarted my newsletter. So if you yeah. would like to subscribe to that, you can go to tinyletter.com forward slash spaghetti on Tuesday. Um, so yeah, if you're interested in that, it's totally free. I'm, I'm not charging anyone for this because it's, that's, that's silly. And it's my, my newsletters are kind of silly, even though I've been very happy with the past two. Yeah. So. They've been super fun. Would recommend. Have enjoyed. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> Don't forget to ring the bell. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, thank you, Noel. Thank you everyone for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Televerse. Mm-hmm.